Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coffee Time with Crystal. I am your podcast host, Crystal Riley. My purpose is to help people live in freedom from shame, guilt, and condemnation. We are starting off by doing radical stories of forgiveness. I am excited. My profession is I'm a realtor and I run a Christian business networking organization called the Tapestry Network. I'm a mother of two teenagers and a wife of almost 20 years. I have a couple pretty powerful stories of my own about radical forgiveness and how I forgave my sexual abuser from my childhood. I am so excited to get to be on this journey with all of you. I look forward to meeting you and interviewing and helping you break free from the lies, guilt, shame, and condemnation that holds us back from what we're called to do. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here with Rose Parma um, discussing breakthrough, breaking through the chains and bondage of abuse. Uh, she is with Barn of, Green, Barn of Grace Ministries and the founder of She Becomes Unshamed. So let's welcome Rose Parma. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So can you share a little bit about what happened in your story um, from the beginning? Just give us to share a little bit with us. Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually a survivor of abuse of attempted murder from my ex-husband and I say that kind of just lightly going out there, but there's so much entangled in that, especially when we're talking about chains of bondage, right, of abuse. So at the age of 15, it started with being groomed by this man who was 11 years older than me. He was a friend of the family and spent a lot of time, you know, hanging out with the family little by little. I noticed now looking back in hindsight that I had been groomed all that time along, but it came to the point where he presented to me that he was in love with me, quote unquote, and um, thought that it would be a great idea for us to be together. P.S. I was, you know, a young girl at 15 years old. And there's this man who was so much older than me. Fast forward, we ended up, I ended up pregnant. Um, At some point, we ended up just talking about marriage. I got married to him, didn't realize at that point in my life that I was really going down this massive destructive road. I really wanted to believe in that dream of like marriage and love. And he really loved me and was going to care And it turned out that he actually had a huge, large criminal background, um, was heavily involved in drugs, things that I was totally oblivious to. And he ended up, he ended up um, in jail because of the fact that my mom pressed charges for him being older than me. He got out and shortly after that, I started to notice a lot of controlling behaviors. He would control everything I did, would look at everything I did, every phone call, every email, every social media post. Back then it was my space. Every action that I took, I I started to feel like I was walking on eggshells, didn't really know what controlling behaviors were. Again, I was still kind of like growing up in that state. And then I started to notice like anger, rage kind of of coming out of him. He never was abusive to me. And then there came the day when I started to really open my eyes and get sick of being controlled and started to recognize that I was being controlled and manipulated. We had already had two kids at this point. And the time I tried to leave, he was constantly accusing me of doing things behind his back. And there was something just really like 
ridiculous that he was accusing me of. And I just decided that's it. That's the last straw. Like I need to get out of this before it gets worse. And in that moment, he flipped on me and it ended up resulting in me him taking my head, slamming it against the concrete. I was going in and out of consciousness. Um, he told me that I could not leave. I was not getting away. He slit my neck with a knife. He held it to my neck um, and basically was beating me, broke all my ribs. And I just remember going in and out of consciousness, just thinking like, screaming for help to try to get someone to hear me my kids were there they didn't see it until they came out of the room and my son at the time was a little he was little like three or four years old he um got this rainmaker stick like one of those you know like wood rainmaker sticks mm -hmm. and he started beating him trying to get him off of me <clears throat> and it was like I could literally see the demonic just look on his face on my ex's face as he was doing this to me. And it's like, he snapped out of it and backed up off of me. And my daughter was just screaming because I didn't realize I was bleeding so bad, but I was literally in a puddle of blood. So getting through all that, I eventually got help. Um, I was able to escape and I, just fast forwarding from there being in the hospital bed that night, I just remember pleading to God that if he would spare my life, if he would allow me to make it through to live, I get so emotional every time I tell this story, but I remember asking God, if he would spare my life, that I would dedicate my life to helping women get out of situations like this and to recognize what grooming even is and to recognize that even emotional abuse right can lead to physical abuse and any form of abuse is not healthy at all and i asked the lord that he if he would spare my life i literally was petitioning him to spare my life so i can raise my babies and be there for them um and god did he did he, he spared my life and I kept my promise to him years went by and it was years of healing. I mean, years in it, and we can go a little bit into that, but it was years of healing. And here I am today, what I had been through that destruction, right? That complete, um, devastation of my life and chaotic season of my life for years, actually, that I had went through God is using it and allowing me to Launch, I launched a ministry that is nationwide, Barna Grace Ministries, that specifically is dedicated to helping survivors of abuse and human sex trafficking. You are amazing. And I think I, I did. I had some tears in that one. Um, can you help us understand or help our audience understand what grooming is and what signs to look for and what that looks like? Yeah. Well, now that I've been working in this ministry for quite some time and worked with a lot of different survivors from all sorts of paths, one of the things I can say that is very common is that it's usually grooming from an older man to a younger girl. Um, this can happen with both sexes, to be honest, but I'm seeing it because I'm in women's ministry. This is what I see it in the most. Um, it's a lot of like, I just sharing 
affection and love, what is quote unquote affection and love and, and gifting many gifts and having um, just kind of like pouring extra in relationship that just really doesn't make sense, right? And noticing that big, long um, extended age gap is something that is very common across the board. It also results in when you can tie that into like controlling behaviors such as check always checking your phone, always checking your emails, asking who is that, what are you doing, um, where are you going, just feeling like someone is constantly hovering over you. Mm -hmm. Those are common things that we see a lot in grooming. Um, one thing that I really was shocking to me, the further I have been getting into ministry, is that a lot of survivors using human sex trafficking, especially sex trafficking, don't even realize that they're being groomed. Drugs are often involved and um, alcohol use is often involved. Now, for my case, I don't ever recall being drugged up or drinking. Okay. I don't recall that being ever a part of my journey, but now that I look back, I kind of wonder if I ever was like snuck in a drug, you know, like as in a drink or something, because I recall certain, certain things that happened where there were a lot of like people that I didn't recognize that were around just weird scenarios that I would find myself in as I look back. And I'm just wondering if it's happened to all these other women that we're working with that are survivors of trafficking. It very well could have happened to me and I never would have known, you know what I mean? Because when you're drugged up, you don't recognize that that's what's happening. Oh my goodness. I've never thought about it that way. Um, I'm a little bit on the speechless side with that. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I know I've heard stories of that and I know that they do drug people. So I, I guess that would be a pretty common thing. And then the women wouldn't know that that's something that is happening because you don't know if it's dropped in your drink or something. Right. Right. Oh. It's kind of scary, you know, just, and it's, I'm telling you the more survivors that we work with, the more that I correlate my story to what there's many survivors have shared and oftentimes our freedom advocates that we work with, which are the women that work directly, once the survivor um, from sex trafficking is rescued, they are partnered with a freedom advocate until they find placement in a safe house for them. And so oftentimes I will, when I work with the freedom advocates, they will share stories and they know my story very well. And they will share things with me. And they're like, you know, your story is very similar to the girl that we just rescued. And it just is opening my eyes to see from a whole different lens what I was going through was a lot more serious than I even anticipated. Yes, it ended in massive physical abuse, but there was so much more that led up to that that I didn't even recognize was there while I was in it. And this is something that's a common thread with any form of abuse. We hear a lot of times we justify the abuser's behavior that, oh, they just really care about me. They really love me. They're just doing that out of concern kind of thing. So did you, 
um, looking back, was that the only time he physically abused you? Was that one time that was it? That and was you probably it. would have never thought that he would be that person to do to abuse you to that level. Yeah, it it started with like punching holes in the wall and yelling and slamming doors and busting doors, things like that, but never to me, never to my kids. Um, and again, looking back, like I, I should have let, you know, you, you think like I should have left sooner. I should have gotten out sooner, but in my mind, I was really believing because I had been groomed for so long. I was really believing like, he really does love me. He really does care. He's just getting angry because he really does care. You know, it's, it, it may seem silly to hear, you know, but when you're in it, when you're in it, it just seems like your justifications for right. this behavior are normal and real. I think that's a common factor with abuse is that it's, it's their normal and they don't see that there's anything wrong with it. So, I mean, I, I, I grew up in an abusive home and I saw a lot of abuse and I can understand my mom not realizing how abusive it was or, um, the, the things that she went through as well. And so I understand that you don't see it while you're in it, but then looking back, you have all these realizations and, you know, that's another way the enemy works too, right? Is the guilt, shame, right. condemnation of I should have, I should have, I should have. In all reality, that's not the situation and you don't know what you don't know. But it, I mean, luckily you got out, right? Praise, praise God that you were able yeah. to get out even the, and God spared your life. So can you tell me a little bit about your healing journey? And um, obviously God saved, God spared your life and you were in the hospital, but what did it look like? What steps did you take? What, so if you were giving advice or words of wisdom to another survivor or somebody that's in the situation, what does that healing journey look like? Yeah. So I think the biggest portion of the healing was just accepting that this is my life now, right? Because here I am, I'm in the hospital bed and it's like, we had a house together. We had the boat together, the jet ski, the nice car, nice jobs, all those things together. We had built this family together, right? And it's all I ever knew because I had went from like a kid to an instant woman, you know, and building this family. Um, and it was just like, okay, I've got to realize and acknowledge that this is really my life now. And the more that I started to wrap my mind around it, the more I started to press into my faith. Now, I'm not going to say that I was a hundred percent, like, you know, sold out on my faith because there were many times when it was like a high and a low where I was like, why God, why is this happening to me? Why is my life destruction? You know? And then it would be like this high where my faith was unshakable. And I was just completely sold out for J Jesus, you know, and it would just kind of be like this for quite some time time. But the thing that was constant was I had women that were warring for me behind the scenes. And one in particular, who was my aunt, um, who it's beautiful how God made this work out right full circle moment. Um, she's actually, I mean, we, my kids and I were instantly homeless. Okay. And we had went from all of this stuff to just this couple bags of clothes, a mattress and nowhere to go. Okay. 
that's that hurts to say that but it is what it it is you know and so, survived, so so that's the that's the glory of it right right and so we ended up at my aunt's house and we were renting a room from her house which was glorious because here's what happened she's the woman who introduced me to god when I was a little girl. And so God brought me back to her and she taught me how to pray in authority. And she taught me the meaning of what it really looks like to be a daughter of the mighty King and how to operate in that and how to, to enter the throne room of heaven in my prayers and how to pray over my children. And so that was a huge part of the healing journey. Then it resulted in, okay, all these triggers would come up. The things that were spoken over me from my ex that were negative as he was grooming me, you're never going to be good enough. No one's going to love you enough. All those things would come up on repeat in my head. And so I had to break those curses off of me. Right. So that was another huge part of the healing. And then it was just a constant, like forgiveness, personal forgiveness that why didn't I get out sooner? Why didn't I see this coming? Why didn't I listen to my mom when she told me, you know, like, why didn't I, and just going down that whole surrender of, I need to forgive myself. And that's what led to this entire journey of me, you know, healing through it and giving myself grace in the healing process. It was a whole like seven years of extended healing for me. Not that saying that that's going to take that long for everyone else, but for me, it did. And I had to be gracious to myself, you know, and really ask God for his grace to fall upon me in that process. But see, fast forward, it's what led me to being a life coach to work with these women. And it's also led me to launching this ministry as a pastor today. That's amazing. Um, thank you. So as we wrap up, if you could leave one piece of advice for the next woman to be inspired, what would it look like? Definitely to give yourself grace. If you find yourself in a situation where you're looking back thinking, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Just really leaning on Ephesians 1:17, which talks about building a relationship with Christ and diving in to having that relationship so solid so we can get to know him intimately and praying and asking for wisdom and revelation. Because at the end of the day, right, he is he's worthy of it all. Right. And he will get us through it all. And we just need to give ourselves grace in the process and allow ourselves time to heal. That's awesome. So how, how does one give themselves grace and forgive themselves? Just feel prompted to ask that because yeah. women live in that turmoil of all the things that they didn't do or should have done. Or so how did, how do you get to that place? What does that look like? For me personally, it was more of like acknowledging that I'm human, right? <laughs> and remembering like, no matter how many kids I have, like I have a lot of kids, I have seven kids and, and run a business and a ministry. And like, no matter how, how busy I am and how many hats I think I can juggle at the end of the day, I'm still a human. And at the end of the day, like I'm not perfect, right? 
The only perfect one is our heavenly father. And knowing that in my weakness, I can literally rely on his strength. And that is just, it's a, it's a space of humility really is what it is. Just allowing myself to humble myself Mm -hmm. so that I can lean more on his strength. And that, that to me is how we can really get into grace, diving into his word, just full out surrender prayers like talking to our heavenly father like he is our very best friend or or even looking at it as if he is our father and we're going to him just asking for his wisdom asking for his revelation oh i love that i talk to god all the time i even ask for favor in parking so we have this deal about parking it's a whole nother there you spot, go. But, <laughs> but but i do i talk to him all the time about everything so um, talking to God about just being your best friend. That's, I love that because I don't hear very many people say that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, Rose, thank you for your time today. You're um, with um, Barn of Grace Ministries and you have an awesome academy. I'm actually, she coaches me and the She Becomes Unshakable Academy. And so I've had leaps and bounds of growth in the last several months with her coaching. And so thank you so much, Rose, for um, being with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I am so honored to just be a part of what you're doing because you are making waves of a difference, girl. Yay. Thank you.